good uh, it's afternoon here. Uh, it's around 12-something. Beautiful day outside. I was enjoying the morning with coffee and sitting in the chairs. and So it's been wonderful. So uh, welcome to Lay It on the Table. Uh, we're going to talk about a new topic today. It's been kind of in and out due to the whole, uh, you know, over, over fear, uh, COVID-19 business. Uh, but we're going to try to get back on track after this and, and get more consistent with our every two weeks, uh, launches. Uh, but I'm glad you're here to join us and uh, I'm glad you stuck with us. If you're still out there, even if it's just one person, we're happy you're here. Um, but, uh, just welcome. And again, if you ever want to reach out to us or anything, uh, we mostly watch our Instagram, uh, John. Lay it on dot the table. Yeah. So uh, just hit us up. And uh, I guess we'll just get into uh, how's your week, man? How are you doing, John? Uh, can't complain. Um, I'm tired. I've been watching this. I haven't been watching the news, but I've been watching society, so to speak, about this whole um, George Floyd deal in Minneapolis. As an officer, that must be a specific hit for you. Well, uh, you know, we don't have all the facts yet. The video that's been put out, it, I can guarantee you it's not the whole video. There is more to it. There's more to be seen and figured out, and that'll come out over time. However, in all my years of experience, I will say that personally, I could not, I cannot justify what he did. I can't, that officer, I cannot. There's no situation where that is necessary. It's it's insane, um, and I'm glad that he was uh, charged and put in, brought in custody and charged. I think it should have happened a lot faster. I think that probably would have stemmed some of the ridiculous riots that are going on. Right. Because and this is just my opinion, but they had the, the the riots started, and it was getting crazy, and then they arrested him, which in a sense, rewards that kind of behavior. And now it's blown up all over the country now, Dallas and California and wherever else it's about to pop off. And uh, it's just ludicrous. But, um, but yeah, it's going to affect me in the city I work. I'm right outside Dallas. I used to work at Dallas. I've been to this back in 2016, and I would really, not, I would really like to not have to go through that again. Um, but it's just part of the job. Man, aside from that, how's uh, how are things? You know, family and all that business. Um, Dad's back to work. That's good. Um, feeling feeling a little bit better. Um, still dealing with things with my brother. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to a very long vacation. Excellent, man. Excellent. Yes. Um. Well, I mean, it's not been too crazy for me here, man. Just working from home and trying to live and trying to keep occupied and, you know, not all the mood swings fly everywhere. And, uh, my wife is now pregnant. I don't know if I've said that out loud on the podcast yet, but, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, little, little errands on the way. Um, I actually don't know if it's a male or female yet. We'll figure that out eventually. Little female Aaron, a little male Aaron. One know. of them. Yeah. He's, right the, now he's gender fluid. So they'll probably, or, she or whatever. What? You know. Yeah, we're trying to figure out. They'll probably know, what still they walk around the house, go, yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's trying to identify it's, itself it's, currently it's, it's in the true. womb. So, oh, okay, we need to, you know, just need to back off and give it some space. Um. Anyway, uh, no, I'm excited about that. The yeah, man, I'm kind of irritated lately, though. Um, this whole sickness thing or whatever. 
you know, like uh, I went to the doctor's office, and uh, you know, here, here, listen to this ludicrousness that doesn't make any sense. I went to the doctor's office. They won't allow me in the doctor's office unless I wear a mask, which, whatever. So I put this mask on, and then I say, you know, this is my first child, and you know, we've we've been, we've gone through a lot to to get to this point, and. Uh, it's cost us a lot of time and money and, and, you know, you know, blood, sweat and tears, basically. And I said, you know, I'll be a fly on the wall. Just if you don't mind, if I sit in the corner, just to, you know, I haven't had, haven't had been able to hear the first heartbeat, see the first sonogram, see nothing. Um, you know, everything's been secondhand or they tell me, oh, you can video chat. Well, regardless if it's 2020 or not, and I could video chat, it's nothing like being there. Um, so I said, can, can I just go in the room? you know, with my wife and be there. I said, I'll, if I have to go buy a Tyvek suit, which have been greatly <laughs> exploded in price, I'll go spend the hundred dollars to buy a crappy Tyvek suit just to stand. As you know, I was being kind of facetious, but serious at the same time. And, uh, Oh no, no, sir. You know, right now, just during this period of time, we're just trying to be, make sure everybody's safety is paramount, including your, uh, you know, your wife and, and, and your expected uh, child. And I said, okay. And I said, but you know, if you, if you, you will be invited in for the financial discussion in just a second. So they pulled me into a room that was like a quarter of the size of a doctor's waiting room, uh, in close proximity with a nurse. Uh, and I wasn't where I had to wear the little mask and all. And I, I literally was just beyond myself trying not to be as angry as possible. Dude. Like I, I literally was just in sin, just like just had angry thoughts and was really frustrated. And and I even may have said something like, you know, you bring me in this tiny room to talk about me spending three grand to deliver the child, but you will not allow me in a much larger room in the corner of the room or far away from everybody just to observe and be there for these first times. And I said, uh, it was crazy, you know. And then I watched my niece have her Latin recent child all on Facebook Live. So she Facebook Lived all the way up to about the delivery time and then so and then all on Facebook Live. Like I was like, this is crazy to me that you know the the parents can't even be allowed in with the daughter while she's given uh, birth because I guess you know the 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 gentleman couldn't be there at the time and they wouldn't even allow my, my sister uh, to be in there with her or nothing. Uh, so it's just her and the doctors and giving birth. It's like super cold. Nobody you love is there to support you or run through it with you. And I was like, I don't hire hell or high water. I'm going to be in that delivery room for sure. So that's the only peeve I've been dealing with lately. And I'm just kind of getting peeved by the whole, the whole shebang now. Uh, it seems like it's a very big double standard these days. So I, I don't know. I'm just getting really irritated by it. And I'm sure I'm not the only one getting frustrated, but either way, that's been my week. So I've been having to pray through all that and try to get some patience and, and deal with it. But uh, anyway, that's it. That's it for me, really. Mm. Yeah. Positive, she's pregnant. We're doing great. Downside, I'm having to do this through this whole uh, fear time for everybody. Everybody's in a little too much fear for my taste, I do believe. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a thing right now. There's a, a lot of fear-mongering that's done on purpose. There's a lot of, uh, but a lot of it's also just ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole room scenario. That's just ignorant. Yeah. In fact, it's so bad. I'd say ignorant. Well, I mean, yeah. you you let the nurse that goes in the room with the, with the women yeah. come and tell me about the financials, and then go back into the room with the women. So right. really, you've net you've. It's like two two negatives don't make a positive. I mean, you can't yeah. you can't tell me that 
you need to be safe and then go to, and then come into the room with me smaller than where you would be and then go into the room with my wife as the nurse. I just don't right. understand that. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. Two negatives would make a positive if you were multiplying, but <laughs> Pimdos. Pimdos. Brian, how are you, man? Brian. I'm I'm good. Um I don't really have any of those complaints that much cuz yeah. I don't have to deal with that as much right now, so Yeah. I don't have like a pregnant wife that I can't like actually be in the room. Yeah. Missed missed the first heartbeat. I yeah. I feel like though um that uh I'm sure that it is a difficult situation. Um and you know and I guess just I, I just to speak to that, I mean I maybe it's a separate podcast for the future, but I'm not I think it's you know, we've gotten into a lot of these conversations pretty regularly. I've been almost sick and tired of having these conversations with people <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. because like at the same time that I, I know it's frustrating. I also like understand like from both sides, the concerns um, and certainly, you know, putting myself in the position of a political leader, like it is not necessarily an easy, um, you know, um, decision to make because right. you're trying to navigate um, different people. You're trying to make a good decision, you know, and, I do think that, um, at least at first, you know, we're going to definitely look back at this time probably in the future and go, here are the mistakes that were made and here are the things that we did right. Um, yeah, but, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, just thankfully, you know, I guess at the end of the day, um, the one good thing is that we, uh, um, we comparatively, we still have it pretty, pretty darn good. I've, yeah. been, I've been hearing of literal, like I work with a guy from Nepal and he said, like literally, like literally, people are starving to death on the streets, like yeah. literally starving and dying on the streets. Like that's it's crazy, literally happening. Yeah. That's not like it's crazy to me. That's not like something you think like in this century, like that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be an issue anymore with food in abundance. But like, can I say that like if this was the yeah. times of Christ, Christ would have been in the middle of all that, like with well, his disciples, like trying to help and be there as much as he could be instead I, of I just think, watching it. I think that's, watching it from afar with a mask on. And that's a nice that's caveat into well. And I think to to speak to that too, um, I'll just open up with that right into the conversation we're going to have today. All right. Which let's lay it on the table. I think what's been heavy on my heart through all of this is two things, and I think that it plays heavily into all of these conversations we're having. One is stewardship with our wealth and money, and how we should treat money. Right. The other is how we can use our wealth monetarily and economically to do justice. Yeah. And, um, interestingly enough, we're commanded on multiple times. Um, I actually was listening to a Timothy Keller sermon on this. I listened to that. Did you? And he, did you notice he made a joke, which I thought was kind of funny, but true. He said, if I talked about money as many times as Jesus talked about money, I wouldn't have a church. Yeah, it's true. He's like, Christ talked about money all the time. And every context of money was don't love it be giving, um, give unto the Lord mm-hmm. and don't look to it for security, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That it's going to provide you anything. It's going to save you. The verses that he went, went through are like, I'm going right. through that right now with my, with my, uh, Bible study group. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. So I was, one of the, one of the things that I think struck me through, you know, was we're talking about all these topics about like, um, for example, um, we're talking about you know racial justice. We're talking about justice to the poor around the uh-huh. world. We're talking about all the world's problems and 
how does the church react within those contexts? And I think that the um, the call that Christ gives us um, essentially is to is to attack every part of our lives that every part of our lives become generous, mm-hmm. our time, our wealth, our um, everything that we have, right, becomes part of Him, and that's part of the anger. So as I was looking up, I, I thought immediately, you know, one of my favorite books, and I actually didn't know this. I was, uh, as we were talking, I was just curious about the little bit of the history of the book of Amos, but I didn't realize that um, it actually is considered the oldest prophecy in the Bible as far as when it was written. And it was written during the, the reign of Jeroboam II. He's mentioned several times in the book of Amos. And it was a time period where Israel was sort of living at large, and they were um, they were taking advantage of the poor. And I think the sort of the the call of the Lord here in Amos four is really where I want to start this conversation and then go from there. So he says, here this is God speaking to the Israelites, especially to the to the wealthy in the in in Israel. He says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring that we may drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that, behold, the days are coming upon you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. And you shall go out through the breaches, each one straight ahead, and you shall be cast out into Harmon, declares the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress, to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days, Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving of that which is leavened, and proclaim freewill offerings. Publish them, for so you love to do, O people of Israel. Um, and then I think what uh, what really struck me, and I think started this conversation in the first place, was from um, a note on that particular section that the commentary, uh, Matthew Henry, the great comment, uh commentator on the Bible. He says, note, what is got by extortion is commonly made use of as provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And therefore men are tyrants to the poor because they are slaves to their appetites. Bring and let us drink is the language of those that crush the needy as if the tears of the oppressed mingled with their wine made it drink the better. And by their associations for drinking and and reveling in an excess of riot, they strengthen their combinations for persecution and oppression and harden the hearts of one another in it. And I, thinking about what Tim Keller said about how greed is something and and like that we, that God, that Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says that it's something that we should watch out for. And he makes a good point in that sermon because he says, you don't watch out for adultery. Like, you know, he he uses the joke, like adultery is really obvious, right? Yeah, he he was basically talking to the fact that he could talk about almost anything except for money, yeah, and and greed. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And so he was saying, like, he asked the question to the congregation during that sermon, which I thought was really powerful. He says, does any one of us in this room actually think that we're doing perfectly with our wealth? Anyone in this room. (laughs) And everybody starts laughing. And he's like, but I know that, like, uh, the struggle, he said, of course, with greed is that it's not something that is obvious to us, right? Um, yeah. And he uses a lot of good examples in that, and I think it was something to think through, um, because I think that 
you know, what he says about how, when you look even at the early church, he 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 uh, he even quoted da- the Tao Chines, I think is what it's called, Tao Chines. It's like an old writing from the early church, and it yeah. said, uh, I remember reading somewhere that there was also, oftentimes you would know Christians by their giving. That actually was the mark of a Christian, Yeah, was that every Sunday you would see uh, that a lot of people would report all these Christian people just walking around giving people shirts off their back. That's pretty just cool. Just everything they had, just treasuring and valuing people that, in the kingdom of God. What was really interesting uh, in his sermon, uh, bringing that topic into mind, is that yeah. he was talking about how we idolize money and how important it is in our lives. Yeah. And you can truly see that when it comes to providing for someone that's less fortunate. Like even as Christians, you'll see there's some Christians that are reserved about dealing with the poor or dealing with people in poverty. They despise them. Yeah, like it's like a... Uncomfortable, like I, I was convicted because I feel so uncomfortable. Dude, when we so go was out I. There. When we go out there to the homeless and stuff with you, like you, John. I, I really, I feel uncomfortable sometimes, and now I realize it's because in my heart there's something that says I'm have a job and I'm better in a weird way because I have money, and it's really interesting to mm. to to think about. So it was a really convicting uh, sermon. Yeah, he mentioned a. He said three three signs that you deal with that you're doing great that you're not dealing with greed. He said one is that you you love uh, wealthy people and you don't consider like you love them you don't despise them because they're wealthy like you actually love them as people. He said you don't despise poor people you don't hate them because they're poor. And he said and then the third thing was uh, believe that you um, that you you have a heart of giving generously. And that you you don't treasure money. Money's not your most like your entire life isn't centered around getting like making sure you grow your wealth as much as possible, right? Um, now the question became, and I think some of this became for me. I mean, you know, I'm I, you know, have come into being in a position where I probably I do like I'm very well aware that I make pretty decent money for my age and you know, that I'm in a, a position of, of, um, being in that like situation. And, and so at first, you know, there's so much of this knowledge about, um, how do we invest and, and all these sorts of things of like, what are we putting our money into? And I think that as I started to pray about it more and more, and I started to think about it, I started realizing like, there's so many areas of my life where I'm, I'm greedy. Like I'm straight up greedy, you know? Well, I mean, at the same, too. at the same note, mm-hmm. I think that it's very interesting. And I think that it's very pointed to what Christ is doing in your life because you're thinking about that, right? If you weren't thinking about Praise that... Praise God that he's put it on my heart. Right. The, if you weren't thinking about that and you weren't considering that that, that position that you feel like you're in, mm-hmm. then there would be a problem. But yeah. the fact that you're seeing it and God's given you sight to see that and that you're you're seeking a, a way through him to, to, to navigate that, that to me is, is also a sign that you are aware of your 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 faults at the moment and you're trying to work that out with Christ. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that God does that stuff for us. Right? Yeah, because, I mean, I think that ultimately what he's trying to do with our hearts is sanctify us, and he's bringing us away from the pursuits that are empty towards the pursuit of the treasure of Christ. And that's why in Matthew 6, when Jesus is talking about money, he makes that statement of of do not lay up for this is nineteen six nineteen yep. do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, 
Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. And then the key verse, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Yeah, it's true. And and I mean, you know, he's the example of of Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, my precious. Of my little, my precious. But the, the thing is, is like you have to ask yourself in a really real way as a Christian, you have to check your heart and say, where is my precious? What's precious to me? Yeah. And for some, it is money. And I think... Uh, for some, it, it's not as much money as it is other things like status. He talked about like what money can give. It can give status. It can make you feel more significant. It can make you feel secure. Yeah. And I, I, I would be say that the conviction for me was the security aspect, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Of like thinking, well, I'm going to build up enough security for myself, right? And mm. and I love that, that Amos says about these wealthy people that that people didn't start out crushing the poor and the needy they didn't start out going, we're going to crush the poor and the needy, right? It never starts out like that. Yeah. But it begins with a, I need this. I, I'm convinced myself that I need this. And of course, what does Christ say? What did God say to the Israelites that he always was angry? He said, don't be like the Egyptians. I brought you out of Egypt mm-hmm. where they built their big empires and their kingdoms and they, they fortified themselves with security. I am your security. Yeah. I will bring the rain. I will stop the armies at your gates, right? This is and, a something's hit me right now. And yeah, I'm starting to think about this, and I may be going a little off topic, so I apologize. But I'm thinking rich young ruler, and the reason I'm yeah. thinking that no, it's is not off topic. That's because perfect. Um, I'm thinking that we have a lot of rich young rulers in our churches, and the reason I say that is because oh, yeah. there's so many things nowadays, especially during this, even with my church, where we've had discussions over would you rather have wisdom or wealth, and these are like these open forum discussions or you know, growing wealth is, you know, as a Christian, and this is kind of why this has been on my heart. I have a different perspective than I think Brian's going down a different route, but as I'm as I'm thinking about this, I start thinking, like, how many rich young rulers do we have in our churches? You know, maybe they came from an impoverished place, and that was their prayer forever. God, bring me out of this, bring me wealth, bring me wealth. Um, and then God does it only to show us all, like, how important that became because now in church you're talking about money not in the form of giving or what we can do to enhance our 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 body like in acts when everybody gave their money at the at the feet of the of the disciples of the prophets and and the apostles and said you know let's use this for whatever means we need to use this uh, as a body no they're they're literally focusing like sermons around you know money and 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 success and and you see this health wealth type sermons where it's it's all rich young rulers that that have the idea that they want to be close to god but really it's it's not they they still have an idol above him and that's their money and that's why they can't deal with these verses the way that they should that's why they can't deal with with verses that tell them that being rich is not all that it is cut out to be um, that's why they can't deal with Ecclesiastes very well when Solomon tells them it's all worthless and he's talking about his money uh, they can't deal with these things and so they they focus on oh is it okay for me to to seek a job where I know that I can make millions of dollars and then say it's okay because that's my job. You know, well, that's seeking money over Christ because your idea is let me go to school, let me do this, let me do whatever steps I need to do to get this job so I can get this inflow of cash, and then I'm going to say it's okay because I give some of it or because I tithe or whatever, you know, and I think that that's that's really – 
really kind of chaps my hide, and I've actually skipped a few of the of the discussions uh, due to the fact that I just don't know how to to really you know because I'm not God, so I can't like I don't know how to display that it's not important. Like if you're rich, great. What are you doing for the kingdom, right? If well, you're poor, great. What are you doing for the kingdom, right? Because right. there's a different type of richness that we're supposed to see. You know? Well, in First Timothy um, chapter six, starting at verse seventeen, he well, just prior to that, in verse eleven, he's basically saying what he's saying. In, uh, I think Brian, what you said in Matthew six. You know, uh, but as for you, O man of God, this is verse 11, flee these things, uh, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, fight the, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life. You jump to verse 17, and it's like uh, he's addressing, okay, people, for those of you who are rich in this age, he charges them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but he redirects them, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, because it's coming from him anyway. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, which is what I have seen in, in the Bible and even in real life, not in every case, but those people who, who are, quote, rich, um, seem to have a much harder time sharing than people who are doing without. Yeah, don't stop, because verse 19 points directly back to Matthew yeah. uh, chapter so, 6. So they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So the end goal, whether you're rich or not, is uh, the way I was putting it in my notes, is, is, is for the glory of God, or to store up treasures in heaven, or as you said, further the kingdom. Right. And even here he's saying, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This treasure is pointing back to the previous verse when it says they should be doing good and rich right. and good works and generous. Right. Those are the treasures that 19 is talking about. Yeah, The treasures in, in verse 11 is what it's talking about. Uh, it's not talking about financial treasure no. Uh, no. And, or, or you know, physical treasure of any sort. And I think that's I think that's why it's so important because here it's it's saying there are rich people that are Christians and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It is what they're doing with what God's given them, and yeah. so it basically comes down to uh, idolization of. of, of uh, I, I think as a Christian, it takes a stronger Christian to be rich and still function positively in the kingdom because, like Christ said, it's far easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. And I think that's because the rich man has those added distractions, those added temptations. Um, that it, it's so easy without Brian, as you even said, it's so easy to fall into a type of greed and not even know it. And until right. you know, I've, I've been guilty of that. Um, and it's 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 scary just how easy that it, that comes. I think that it's so true that it leads to so many evils because. When you fall into that, as we talked about earlier, it's more difficult for you to be around the poor, as Timothy Keller was talking about. It's, yeah, it's right. more difficult for you to you begin you become you. And if you go back to Matthew six, you'll see him talking about all these things like judgmentalness and and everything. It's all compounding on that verse that that first portion where it talks about money, um, because if you become rich, quote unquote, then you look down on people. 
It just you will. Oh, he drives a Toyota Corolla. I drive well, a Lexus. Whatever. You, know, you basically it, become the antithesis of verse eleven in chapter right. six of First Timothy. Instead yeah. of fleeing these things, righteousness or uh, pursuing righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, you're pursuing selfishness, uh, godlessness. Instead of faith, you're relying on your own self. Instead of love, you're cold towards people. You're not steadfast. You're you're wishy-washy. You're the next biggest, baddest thing, and you're harsh. I can't give unless I know what I'm giving to, which in a point you want to know a little bit about what you're giving to, but also if God's put something on your heart to give, like you should just probably follow that intuition. Well, so we talked about that a little bit. So I think what's interesting about giving, the thing that, so we talked about, we, we've, I think we've, we've, We've covered greed pretty well, like yeah. how greed can mm-hmm. we we don't know. It's it's like what what Matthew Henry noted in Amos. He's saying, you know, note like these people didn't begin. Like greed never begins as like let's just crush the needy, let's just take everything from them. Yeah. It starts with with simple small things that are decisions that we make that are out of, for example, creating more comfort for ourselves or creating something for ourselves. Um, and oftentimes it's like, I love what Timothy Keller said in his sermon. He said, it's not, he said, oftentimes what, what it comes down to is that we don't ask the the questions. We avoid the question in general. Mm -hmm. Like he talked about example of like working for, he said like, you know, some of us know, you know, he said, we, we think about like, you know, some of these big evil companies around the world, right? They're doing these evil, like, we know they're like destroying local communities. They're doing these things Absolutely, that are not yeah. good. But he said, but then we imagine that, you know, obviously not everybody that, that work for them, right, are doing that sort of thing, right? Or um, that, but he said, oftentimes I think it comes down to the fact that nobody is asking that question, Um and that they, they just avoid ever asking or trying to dig deeper into something and knowledge. But he said, he said, you know, I mean, God obviously is not going to hold you necessarily. I, I think the caveat, like here in the middle of this podcast that I want to say, is that the one thing I do want to get across to anybody that is listening, at least from my perspective, is that this looks different for everyone. This Absolutely. is not across yeah. the board. This is not something that, you know, okay, so if you're working for um, Evil Corp, you know, <laughs> Go quit your job right now, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that um, God, I think, will place it on our hearts, and it's whether we are, um, it's it's whether we are following that or right. not. Mm-hmm. It, it's really the question. And so, are we going to follow God? Or are we going to follow uh, our dreams for treasures? Right. Right. Um, but the the I guess to get back to the point of of giving though. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but if you do look, the interesting thing about the sacrifices that, you know, Israel was commanded to give sacrifices to the Lord. So in the time that Israel was in, I mean, your currency and your wealth as a, as a, especially in Middle Eastern Canaan culture, like the, the Canaanite type culture that they came from, um, your wealth was in, was in your livestock, your farm, your cattle, right? Like, what did you have? The 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 animals you have, because that's your meat, that's your food, that's your food source, right? And also, you sell them, you sell them to other people, you sell them as exports. So that was where your wealth was built. Mm-hmm. So when God says, "Bring in the most unblemished lamb," or He says, "Bring in the most perfect bull that you have," yeah, burn it on my altar. Yeah. Well, what He's trying to say is, 
You take the best of what you have, the representation of your wealth, bring it before me and burn it. And we talked we talked about this yesterday, Aaron. It's like if we brought that to modern times, I just I want to put this into perspective here, okay? We bring this up into modern times. What God is saying is it I'll give you one example that will I think will illustrate this well. Is he saying, So I don't want what I want, I want you to bring you want I want you to drive the Ferrari up to the to the temple, okay? <laughs> and light it on fire right. and burn it before me. Right. And he says, and I and that is a sweet aroma to me. Yeah. Because what was the sweet aroma? The bull wasn't a sweet aroma. Yeah. The fire the, the Ferrari burning doesn't smell great. Yeah. That's not the point. God is saying the sweet aroma is the fact that you have taken, you have told me by the sacrifice that my security, my significance, everything is in you, Father, mm-hmm. not myself mm-hmm. and not my abilities. That reminds me a lot of Job. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm going to bring him up from the yeah, perspective of God's view of prosperity. You know, His view of that for us is spiritual or relational between him and us. Uh-huh. Um, tangible things, they don't contribute to that. Now, it is true that God blesses us on earth and sometimes uses wealth to do that, but it's always for the purpose of bringing glory to his name. So in Job's example, you know, he's, he's commonly believed to be the richest man in the history of the human race uh, in terms of cattle and, and servants and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure he had cash on hand, but... Uh, it's a little different than it is now. Um, Satan attempted to use those blessings against him to prove to God that those were the sole reason that Job praised him. But God showed Satan that Job's blessings make no difference. He remained faithful and was rewarded even more for it than what was taken from him. So, so yes, those, those blessings are tangible, but they did not affect his faith. They were, were a result of it. And in the end, God was glorified. So I'm not going to say that all Christians on the planet that are strong in their faith are going to be rich. Not in terms that we understand earthly prosperity. They are rich, but in, some are rich with monetary ability. Some are rich in love. Some are rich in... Knowledge. Their, I mean, yeah. anything. So, and, and, it, and it doesn't matter what your measure of, of wealth or prosperity is in so long as you're using it to glorify God. Right. That's all that matters. Right. I agree, dude. I agree. Because it wasn't, for Job, it was, he lost everything in like a day, and oh, it man, wasn't, yeah. and he still glorified God through it. it yeah. Because God was what was most important. And, and every, I love the, 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 you know, the wealth, the wealthy, you know, wealth sermons always focus on how God gave him back double fold because of such a great servant when really it was God showing that that Job's heart as in Matthew said was not where his money was his heart was in God well you know it, it, it just taking that I've talked about this before but I I mean just to beat that dead horse silly if you look at his defense of himself in in job 29 mm-hmm. the 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 gist of his defense what he says is when he's He's basically, it's like Job is looking back over his life and he's lamenting over what is it that he misses the most. And he says, he says here, he says, when I went to the, when I went out to the gate of the city, when I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew and the age rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking, laid their hand over their mouth. 
the voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongues stuck to the roof of the mouth. Why? 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 What is he missing about this? This respect that they're giving him. Yeah. They respected him. He says, when the ear heard, it called me blessed. When the eye saw it approved. And here's the mark of what he, he considers his strength, the man, like the, what he misses. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to help him. Mm-hmm. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. And I love what he says here at the end. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I mean, he's describing Superman. He's yeah. like, I put on my I put on my my like my tights and I went out and and they ran. They ran away from me because they were afraid. And then he says, I was eyes to the blind, I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out. I love this last one, because as if you think, okay, that's enough. Let me tell you what a righteous man looks like. For anyone asking a righteous man or woman, he says, not only all of those things that I do, but I went and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. He says, I went and I took up the cause of someone else that had nothing to do with me, right? Like someone that was grieving against something, and I I, I stood up for him, right? Yeah. When no one else would stand up, when that, that guy that all the rest of these princes, you know, they're oppressing All him. self-righteous, all, yeah, yeah, all and, full and so of rich. He's they're worldly rich. And, he's proud yeah. of the way he stewarded his wealth because what happened is that these princes, they, they came in and they saw he had like 5,000 head of cattle. He's this powerful man. And they just, they, they don't know what to do with him. Right. Because they're like, you, you, you just basically, he comes in and it's like, I mean... You can just see this this vision of what he's trying to portray of him coming in with his family. His kids are like loving him. No. His wife is loving him. He's walking into the city, and he is just walking around, just like he's like that, you know, like like the like the rapper guy. That's I, I like, would think I would think cash, that they, you know, here's that they this. probably saw God through him. Yeah, and that, that's what the deal was because he was Whoa. doing the works of the Lord. He was providing for. It, it reminds was, me of. Um, just real quick, yeah. if you ever see the movie, it just I just think of it, it reminds me of the movie um by Frank Capra, the It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. With you know, it's like you have Mr. Potter, right, who is just intent on destruction. Mr. Potter is a powerful man, but it's like every time he's just like, I can't get past this stupid George guy. I can't <laughs> you know, because he just frustrates every pot every plan that Potter has. Yeah. Because he's just there, he's like a little bug that he can't smash. And that he's just wanting to just oppress the poor people in the city, and this man just keeps standing up for them. Yeah. And he he puts everything on the line, including his own honeymoon with his wife, yeah. to just to just to keep that city from getting into Potter's hands. Yeah. You know? I, I was going to say something that, that I just realized when you were describing all the things that Job was known for. I was sitting here thinking to myself, you know what that's a picture of, don't you? It's Christ. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I'm like, I'd never, I'd never seen that before until you. I were... mean, he he says, I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. Mm-hmm. That's intense. That's yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It's yeah. like everything you read, um, the different commandments you can read throughout the Bible. Like Job was already doing those commandments before they were like officially commanded. He was providing for widows, taking care of orphans. Protecting the weak, providing for the poor, uh, a sanctuary for for anyone in need. Uh, so he he as much as God had given him wealth, he was distributing it as as quickly as it was be given. Yeah. And, but, but he had so much abundant that he was also 
had no anxiousness and no worry for anything because he also had provisions for his family. As well. the, the flip side of that is you've, you've got some Christians that will say, oh, well, that's all good and well. If I had you know tens of millions, I would give like that too. And what they fail to understand is if you give with what little you have, God's going to give you more to give. If you're not giving with what little you have, you're not going to give when you have tens of millions. No, you're not. Yeah. Uh, and that's the whole issue with, with you know, just to touch on the, the, the health wealth deal, you know, it, it it's not God that they're worshiping. Their God is money. And, yeah. and, and they don't, ah, it's just anyway, that's, that's a whole bomb can, of another deal. You can fast forward in, in time and you can take a look at even like Paul. And I think I put this on our chat. Uh, Philippians four, well, well overused <laughs> uh, verses for other means, but mm. if you look at starting at verse four, and you just keep reading on to like verse thirteen, you can see Paul making a very distinct. Thing. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This is pointing to, to the Lord first. Let let all your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. This is just making me think about Matthew 5, making me think about First Timothy. But in everything, be prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to with request being made known to God. Um, and be in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We hear that all the time in churches. Yeah. Finally, brothers, and here he goes with the, with the finally, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is commendable, hmm. if, it, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and God of peace will be with you. So he's not saying do all these things to request money, do all these things. No, he's saying focus on God and his peace will be with you like in him. Mm-hmm. And then he compiles this down in verse 10 and he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because now he's showing the, what he's saying, how it plays out in his life. That that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, or I've learned I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Content in what? Rejoicing in the Lord always, uh, prayer and supplication, uh, all these things that he gave beforehand. He's talking about I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says this verse that's always quoted out of context. Mm -hmm. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why does he say that? It's not because he's saying that he can get through any tribulation or whatever. He's saying that God is what he leans on. God is the only thing he leans on. Jesus Christ is the only thing he leans on. And he lives his life, verse 4, rejoicing in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then he comes down and he says, it doesn't matter if I'm poor. It doesn't matter if I'm rich. It doesn't matter what I have monetarily. I can do everything. Yeah. Through him who strengthens me. That means that just because I don't have a lot of money doesn't mean that I can't serve the Lord. Because that's one thing I hear a lot in church, 
and a lot in the the different uh, sermons that I've heard. How can I be a good minister to the Lord if I don't have any money in my pocket? I like want to slap those people in the face. <laughs> like I want to slap them in the face because their idol is money. They want you to give them money because you feel bad for them so that they can, quote unquote, expand their ministry, mm-hmm. which their ministry will be to expand their ministry to get more money. Mm-hmm. That's their ministry. Their ministry is money. Yeah. Um, and I hate it. And th- this right here lends you to know that Paul was poor. Oh, yeah. Paul was rich. Paul mm-hmm. had much. Paul's had less. Paul made it way every time through God. And that was it. Because what was his main focus? Just as Job, God. So when Job was, bro- when Job, uh, what is it he said? When he had, when he was facing plenty and hunger, he rejoiced in the Lord always. Yeah. Again, I will rejoice. It's the same thing. Paul's doing the same thing. Same thing that Job did, Paul does. He rejoices in God. God is who he honors above and foremost. His heart is where? Not in the treasures of this world, but in the treasures of through the Christ in heaven. So, yeah, yeah that, that is, that's where I stand. I guess I get really hype about it. I apologize. No, I, I, I get it. And I got to jump on my soapbox just for a second here. With, with 413, dude, again, yes, that is probably the most abused verse in all of Scripture. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't mean, you know... Oh, no, no, I didn't study for my exam, but I can do all things through Christ strengthens me, so I'm going to pat. No, that's not what it means. The context is whether you have much or little in working for the kingdom, you can do all of that through Christ. That's what that means. And uh, I, I chuckle, and I need to buy one of these, but I chuckle every time. There's there's coffee mugs and there's T-shirts that say, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And I love it. <laughs> and I want to wear it, and I'll wear it everywhere. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like context, people. Please He's understand. saying that he is a soldier for God, no matter rich, no matter poor. He does all things through Christ who strengthens him. God gets him through whatever means there is. He always has food on his table and a roof over his head and a place to sleep and a place to lay his feet. Yeah. Everywhere he goes, God provides. Whether and, and at the time, you can tell that they, they the people felt like they couldn't provide for Paul. And he's trying to tell them, you don't have to worry about that. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I can survive in any form or fashion as long as I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to do, and that is the work yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. And, and that's that's what he says all the way through Acts. That's what he says all the time. That's basically his main global premise here is, is I do everything for Christ. Um, so I think that's just a huge testament to... Um, to you, we see Job, we see Paul, we see in Timothy what he says. Um, we see the sacrifices, yeah, the yeah. sacrificial system. It's reliance on God. It's it's denial of material goods, mm-hmm. um, which is even counterintuitive to the way we think about giving. That's why I brought it up, because now, yeah. when we think about giving today, yeah. we think, you know, well, this money is going to be used by the church to do something. The way that God thought about giving was, come, bring your money, burn it, <laughs> and guess what? I don't need your money. Yeah. I'm God. Yeah. I can make water come out of a rock. Uh-huh. I can yeah. make rain come from the sky. Yeah. I can grow your crops. Yeah. You don't even know how your crops grow. You have no clue. You have no yeah. clue how soil works. You can just see it. But you don't know. You don't understand well, it. You can think you can explain it, it through science. You don't but understand really, you don't, This yeah. is way too 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 intricate for and, you to truly understand. Yeah, it. like you don't understand why, right? You don't have the wisdom to actually see why. You can dig all the way into the inner workings of the earth, find gold, but you don't know why you don't know why any. You don't know why the sea stops where the sea stops. You don't know why there's wind. You don't right. understand why, right? right. And that's the point that God is trying to make, is that you, 
you know, it. I, I remember reading an article about this, like how hilarious would it have been for God to watch man in the Garden of Eden right after he had eaten of the tree, and then him and Eve realize that they're naked. Basically, not just physically naked, but that they're they're sinful. They realize their sin, and they're ashamed, so they try to cover themselves. So here they are squabbling around this garden with all abundance, and they're sitting here trying to get, put stuff to cover themselves up. Like, who cares, right? Yeah. It's hilarious. It's, it's supposed to be ironic. It's right. like that you just... You just sinned against, you literally had everything you ever wanted, but it was the one thing that you that was forbidden from you that you wanted, right? right? And you had God, you had the friendship of God. You had God yeah. walking in the cool of the garden yeah, amongst men. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine like that Adam and Eve literally were in the presence of the creator of the heavens? They and are earth? the only created being that... Well, aside from like I guess angels, some just, angels have to cover their eyes. We see read about in the Bible; they cover their eye, their face with their wings. Um, they're 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 one of the few created beings that actually knows what God looks like. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's insane, and they still. Yep. So point point being, it's it's the the horse we're beating it here. I think, hopefully that, I mean at the very least, I hope that we can get across that the prosperity gospel is just not the gospel. No. That's just not. It's just, no. <laughs> no. There is... No. It, and if the hope, if if your only hope as a Christian turns into, if I pray hard enough, then God is going to give me all of these physical merits yeah. or comforts, mm-hmm. then I think you've missed the point because all of the apostles, including Christ himself, did exactly the opposite. They traded those comforts they did. for the sake of the kingdom of God. And what was right? funny is that even if you read these, it doesn't say... Oh, I was rich always, and I was poor always. Mm-hmm. No, what it says is I had times of hunger, mm-hmm. and on top of that, I also had times of plenty. Mm-hmm. So it's not forever my money will last. No, your the money will fluctuate. Mm-hmm. This money in this life, these things, they're going to go and they're going to come, and they're going to go and they're going to come. There's going to be a time, I know, in the future that I may lose my job. Gone, money, income, right. done. Until I can find another job, and will it and will it be as much as I get paid now or more? Who knows? But if I get a job, guess what? Food comes back to my table, and I shouldn't be complaining. Mm-hmm. And I can pray that if God wants to provide, and God knows my family. God gave me this home. God gave me everything that I have, and He's provided what is necessary for the people in here to eat mm-hmm. and live. And that's what He's done, and He's made that promise to us. And I can see it playing out in my own life because I'll tell you what: I'm no, I'm no millionaire. But somehow I've got a home, two running cars, two teen young ladies that are eating food and they're healthy. And I got my wife's healthy and she's getting through her pregnancy. We got a baby on the way. He's going to make provision. I I sit here and I get anxious and I have to go and read Mm -hmm. Matthew 6 myself and think, how am I going to provide child, pay for childcare? How am I going to do? I don't know. But God's got it taken care of. And I have to just lean on the Lord, pray, and seek his face before my my worries. I just, I I, I even just love Jesus' approach to, to, when he when he holds up the coin in the Roman society, how radical that was, not just to the Jewish people, but to Roman society and the empire that Rome created. Because it's like he just sits and he he has no regard for this coin, right? I mean, there are people that literally lived their entire lives in pursuit of that coin. Yeah. And he just says, you know, do you see show me the coin really quick, whose face is on it? Right. 
Is it Caesar's? Well, give give Caesar give Caesar his stuff. Who cares? Yeah. It's just it's his. It's his little coin. Give him yeah. his coin back. And it's crazy because when we read just the, the how origin crazy. story of Jesus, he's been given all this gold and money and by yeah. the, the wise men, but yet he decides to live a life walking from town to town, delivering the gospel and preaching uh, a life that wouldn't be considered a rich man's life. His ministry yeah. is completely counterintuitive, even to what. Even to what the Jews had expected, and I think it's that is so key to understand that the Jews were expecting a king, a physical kingdom to re, to return to Israel. That this king that was promised was going to come back, and he was going to reestablish the physical kingdom of Israel. Which hard to blame them because it had happened twice. God, they, but they're so blind because it's a real is, king. He's a real right, king because but, he gave up everything for the people. Even even Paul understood yeah. as as a. As a Jewish scribe, as a yeah. as a man uh, a a man deep within the Jewish tradition, understood that that was a valid thing to think because yeah. they were trying to interpret the scriptures yeah. in the best way they could, and it all seemed very physical. And let, that was the I can, key. Let me give you a interpretation. Yeah. Y'all ready for this? What a little comedy hour with Aaron? Uh, who remembers junior high gym, elementary gym, and you had the fat coach? And he would make all the kids run the mile over and over again. Then you get in trouble, he'd make you run the mile again or do sit-ups or push-ups. But that dude would be eating a cheeseburger and a large fry, right? And then they'd come in with the little squeeze thing and t- do your body fat to the little fat kids like me. And they'd tell us, oh, you need to get on a diet. We need to talk to your parents. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, how many jelly rolls has this guy got, right? So that's what our kings nowadays are. They sit in their high horse in their big castle on their big throne, and they put down decrees. It's just like our governments now, okay? Same thing. we got a president. He sits on the big high horse. He comes out in, into the public occasionally, waves his hands around, makes a speech, and then goes back in and supposedly does new um, legislature to help out the world, right? He's not in the dirt with everybody else. Now, when you got older and you had that one coach that would run the mile with you, you always had respect for that guy or that girl, and you would always have respect for them getting out and getting dirty with you, or a boss at work that's willing to step in and do the, the lower person's work with them in order to make the team work better. I mean, we always have respect for that guy. Jesus is this kind of, you know, and that's the worst way I can explain it, but Jesus is God. He had the ultimate throne high, high up in heaven in his, in his throne room, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to give up all that. That's real riches, and I'm going to come down and live a impoverished, poor life, walking around, preaching salvation through me. That's what I'm going to do as the Son of God. And it's going to freak everybody out, and the only people that are going to have respect for me are the people that are in the dirt too. Anybody that thinks they're too big for their britches is going to hate me. And that's all these rich people are all the people that are seeking wealth over God. Because money gets you everything else you want in the world. Uh, coin gets you anything you want. So... To kind of bring this all back, you know, earlier, what we were talking about as far as, or at least what I had brought up were that, you know, there's people that don't feel like they can give because they just, they barely have enough for themselves. I think it's all summed up pretty well in Psalm 51, 17. And it says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou, uh, sorry, New King James Version. <laughs> The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You give him that, he will supply everything else. It's a beatitudes, poor in spirit. Yeah. You know, um, meek, meekness. Um, 
you know, mourning the poor in spirit, realizing your inabilities. That's yep. what's huge. And like you see, even see this in Proverbs, the book of wisdom, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. And this is right after 7 where he says, to these things, two things I ask of you, two, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. And then before, right below that it says, remove far from me the falsehood of lying, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and do what? Deny you and say, who is yeah. the Lord? Yeah. Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. Yeah. And that's evident today. Mm. If you're rich, not rich, like, again, this isn't a bad thing to be wealthy if you're a good steward of it. And as we've already copied on this, but if you're, if you're wealthy, your tendency to lean on God for security is less because yep. you feel like everything's taken care of, Right. You've been, you're able to afford the Serta, you know, comfort bed and, and all these things, and you think everything's great. But if you're broke, what is the first thing you do? You, you get angry at God. Why am I, even Christians, why is this happening to me? Why am I here? Why me? Why me? Why me? What, what has why God done afford? for me? What has he done for me? Yeah, yeah, and you're profaning the name of God. It's, exactly. it, it is real and evident today. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All surrounding around pieces of paper, or pieces of coin that are can, worthless in and of themselves, anyway. Yeah, that are all made by people who were made by ultimately yeah. the Creator. Yeah. Sorry, my rant is over. No, no, no. It needed to be said. Um, we're uh, at that time. It's that time. <laughs> so it's it's good to wrap it up the way we did. Yeah. Any other thoughts there, Jonathan? I'm going to call you Jonathan today. That's not my name. Sir. I know it's John. It's John. It's John it's Michael David. John without the H. I did. I Williams. I did have a just a really quick excerpt from an article. Yes, sir. Um, that I thought was interesting. Just if we, I think it would be a great way to end. If okay, if you don't have any thoughts, do it. Left. Do it, man. And I think it. as we think about things like investing, and we think about things, oh, just bring that up. Mm, we yeah, didn't get true. to that point. And I think I think we get the point across though that you know I'm not going to we're not sitting here trying to tell you what to do with your money necessarily. Mm -mm. We're trying to do is, is help you to navigate what does God say about money and our relationship to it. And I think, you know, so much of, of our, when we think about our security, I wonder how much really Christians need to care, especially things about like, for example, retirement and stuff like that. Right. Not to say that you just throw everything away. I think you, you I pray you, about those things. I think you want to put the word anxiety or anxiousness yes. along with security. Yeah, so definitely. God says, do not be anxious. Be anxious. Why right. does he say, do not be anxious? Because we're always in fear that we're, right. we're, our, the foundation below us is going to fall through and right. we're going to yeah. end up. And so what do we do? We go, we're motivated to go find jobs and make more money, take up more of our time so that we can't serve do the Lord. Do things we hate that we don't even love. Right. And it puts us in a bad attitude. And, and I think that's the point, yeah. is that when God calls, we go, no matter what. I don't care. I don't. I don't care if you if you're CEO of IBM. Okay, when he calls, you go. <laughs> like, you give it all up, and I think that's when you know your heart's in the right place. But so this is just something to speak to, just even just for our American audience and just the the, the society that we sort of sometimes think is is with us. So he says, it is a fact that American economic life operates in direct denial of the commands of Christ. Jesus says. Do not stow up for yourselves treasures on earth, Matthew 6, 19. Our entire economy is built at its most foundational level on the idea that men ought to be motivated to store up treasures for themselves, and that great stores of capital are necessary 
not simply for great works, but for the very subsistence of workers. Few, if any Christians, would call a large saving account anything but responsible. Likewise, Jesus says, Beware of all covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, Luke 12, 15. But we laud covetousness, calling it competition or just the market. And we require massive amounts of advertising to keep our economies in motion through the production of the desire for an abundance of new possessions. Jesus says not to be anxious about material possessions. We are anxious indeed. Absolutely. I I would I, I want to say this. Look at look at the insurance industry. All based on a just in case. Yeah. And that's exactly our mentality when it comes to storing up savings and money. Oh, just in case. Just in case. Just in case I need it when I retire. Just in case so I can afford this. Just in case I die so my family will be okay. Mm-hmm. Just in case. Just in case. All relying on that money to be worth something in the end. When this economy can crash at any moment mm-hmm. and all your just in case won't provide nothing for your children in the future. Right? You think, oh, am I, you know, I got enough money to pay for their, their schooling in the future, their, their, their scholarships, and or, or not their scholarships, but their tuition, and all saved up, blah, 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 blah. Well, if the economy crashes, your millions are worth nothing, and you, no tuition will be peddled because yeah. it won't be about your it's, money anymore. It's the yeah. point of what Jesus said. Think about the absurdity, though. You know, you're storing up things where the ma's going to get them, the thieves can get it. Uh. Rather... I've come, and I'm not providing. Israel, I've done one up on you. You thought I was going to come, and I was going to give you your physical kingdom. I was going to take out Caesar and establish Jerusalem as the head of the earth. Mm -hmm. But he says, no, I'm going to establish something greater, which is a kingdom that will never go away. This earth, he said, I'm done with it. I'm moving on to something new. And that is the solution. Christ provided the solution to mankind right there. That was it. I agree. So, anyways. All right. All right. Well, what do we do? Um, in this situation, when most importantly, we, uh, when we're asking ourselves, you know, for example, what should we do with our money? Um, we do what, guys? We always love, love Jesus. Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus is the friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. Thanks again for joining us. Um, we talked about money, money, monies tonight, or today, this afternoon. It's getting into late afternoon. Um, we're going to go enjoy the rest of our day. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and we thank you for coming by. We uh, thank you for listening. And again, if you please have a comment of any sort, and you want to shoot it through, uh, I've recently joined some Facebook comment groups, and I know people got things to say. Oh, yes, so, they do. So uh, feel free to uh, message us directly, uh, again, at our Instagram. Lay it on dot the table. Yeah, yeah. And at uh, Gmail, lay it on the table four at gmail.com. Yeah, lay it on the table four at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, we're working on possibly getting on video feed, so we may end up having to pop into our Facebook again uh, so we can have some lives. So um, be, be, be watching out for that, possibly. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy your weekend and stay blessed. <laughs>